Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. Well, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. Now, you know what? I think God calls people into your life to accomplish the purpose that he has for you. And I knew that whenever he brought me into us together and he called us to pastor. We did everything. We did it because God knew that what I had and what he had was needed for us to work together. And I'm, it's the honor of my life. It really is to be your pastor and to stand here. And I'm so honored to be here today. And I pray, I'm not, you know, I was, I was thinking about this message that some of you were flashing before me as I was preparing and I knew what God wanted me to preach. And this message isn't just for the moms, even though it's Mother's Day. This is for moms, dads, men, women, every single one of you. If you want to take notes, it's titled, I Will Not Be Shaken. We're going to get right into it. But let me do say happy Mother's Day to all the moms. You know, moms are incredible. And I want to take a minute and say that whether you're a mom who's had biological children, maybe you're, I, you, can have a, you can be a mom and not have a biological child, but you've poured into the life of someone. Uh, what, whatever you, however you've mothered, we honor you today. We will have a gift for all the moms today. But, you know, I, I thought about my mom. And my mom, I learned a lot of things from her, and I honor so much about her for my whole life. She, we, I was the oldest of five children. We grew up, they, they moved to us to Tulsa, Oklahoma when I was five years old. My dad kind of went into the workplace then. We'd been up in Canada, living on a farm, living off the land. She did all kinds of things. They planted vegetables and went on the trap line and trained dog sled teams. It was really cool. But then we came back, and we were a family of six at that time. And my dad came into the workforce, but my mom spent her whole life working really hard, and I learned so many things from her. I learned faith. That woman was a woman of faith in prayer that even when she got a devastating doctor's report, I remember she never, I never knew about it until I was grown, that, that she stood on the word of God. I remembered her listening to tapes of Kenneth Kagan and Kenneth Copeland over and over and over again, and I never knew why. I knew something was going on, but I didn't know what, but she stood on the word of God to even when I walked away from God for seven years, that woman was on her knees at 5 a.m. every morning crying out to God on my behalf that the word of God that was in me would rise up within me, and she did all this. She was, she was selfless. She, she did so much. She, she only had two things that were hers. Um, you know, as a mom of five and of, at that time of taking care of everybody, she, she had a box of constant comment tea that we were not allowed to touch. Um, and she would have one little tea bag every day. That is now my favorite tea because the minute I was old enough, I bought my own because I said, what is this? That's all I drink now. And she also was on the worship team at church. And she would go to worship team practice by herself, you know, and then come back that two hours every week. And until I was a mom myself, I did not understand what that two hours of solitude and being with your friends and just being you meant. And, you know, even when that, when I was 12 years old, she let me start coming with her. And I didn't recognize what, what, how much that was a sacrifice for her. And, and my mom was awesome. She was, she's, she's the kind of woman that now she and my dad just retired. I was so glad. She's, she's got her, they live in Tennessee. She's gardening and she's got, I, went, I just was there a couple weeks ago. And she was, she was showing me her gardens and how she's building. She was always prepared. See, we, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma which is the Midwest. And for those of you that have never been around the Midwest, there was something that we had to learn about from the time we were small, and that was to avoid tornadoes. Now, tornadoes would come out of nowhere. 
you would all of a sudden there might be a storm and you'd hear this siren go and that meant you had like a minute to get to a place of safety whether you always had to find a place that didn't have an exterior wall you had to go in the bathtub or a closet or in the hallway and you huddled up if whenever I was a little older we lived in a place that had a storm shelter outside and I, I mean we never had to use it I always thought it'd be really cool to run out down to the storm shelter I made it my playhouse instead but you always had to be ready for these for these tornadoes to come they they would come out of nowhere. You'd have tornado drills in school. You had all these tornadoes where you basically sit in the hallway with your hands over your head. And, and when it would sound, the whole family would run to that place of safety. And, and you wouldn't have much time, but you would have this emergency bag that was packed that had flashlights and batteries and maybe a shortwave radio in it that you could take with you to that safe place until the storm had passed. I, I remember stories of, of my, my parents telling me when they first moved to Tulsa how a tornado hit and all the houses on one side of their house were destroyed and all the houses on the other side were destroyed but the houses on their row wasn't and I thought wow that's so cool so I grew up knowing about tornadoes but then I moved to Florida now when I moved to Florida I knew about tornadoes and I knew Florida was the land of palm trees and beaches and Mickey Mouse but I did not know what a hurricane was I heard about the Miami you hear about it but you don't pay attention when you live in the Midwest you don't care about hurricanes but a few years after I lived here, after I moved here, I got a crash course in hurricanes. When we had four hurricanes back to back to back to back in like a six-week period of time. How many of you remember that? It was right after we got married, right? Hurricane number one came. We sprang into action. I'd never experienced a hurricane before. So what we, we boarded up the windows. We went and got water. We went and stocked up on food. And we hunkered down and waited for the storm that passed. We were fine. It ripped the bell tower off the Miracle Center. We said no problem. We fixed it. And then two weeks later, what happened? A second hurricane came. You guys remember that, those of you who lived here? And the second time, we still prepared, but we were, a little, we were like, oh, okay. By the third hurricane, we were just like, okay, how long is the power going to be out? By the fourth hurricane, my husband had tickets to the Florida Gators game. <laughs> and they changed the game to be at 10 o'clock in the morning. So he said, oh, we're going to Gainesville. I said, are you crazy? The hurricane is going to hit this afternoon. He goes, oh, I know, but the game's going to be over at 12, and we have plenty of time to get home. Because how many of you know that when a hurricane is coming, you have plenty of time to see it approaching? That's all you see for two weeks is that you turn on the news and you have this little circle that's going, that's headed towards your state. I remember one of the last ones we had, we were on a cruise and, and there was a hurricane coming and, and we had to actually got stuck and had to stay out on the cruise for five extra days. But everywhere you went, all you saw was this big wind ball coming towards the state. The thing with hurricanes is they, hurricanes and tornadoes are both really devastating storms. But the difference is with a tornado, you don't know what's coming. It comes out of nowhere. It comes fast. It comes, it hits, and it's gone. A tornado is at, can be agonizingly slow. Remember those ones that spin for days over your place, and they're going? But they can both cause problems. They can both cause great amounts of damage and loss. But you can see that, that with a hurricane, you don't know how strong it's going to be. You don't know exactly where it's going to hit, but you can be ready. You can evacuate. You can do any of those things. See, in life, sometimes I feel and I know for me that we experience storms. Has anyone ever experienced a storm in your life? Sometimes you experience a storm that's like a hurricane. You kind of see it coming. 
You see it coming a mile away. You don't know how hard it's going to be, how rough it's going to be, what's going to happen, but you know it's on the way. And then sometimes out of nowhere, without even a siren sounding, comes a tornado that rips through your life and makes a mess and causes devastation and causes a problem. See, the thing is, you might not know when those types of storms are going to arise, but you can be prepared for them. Just as much as you might not know when the tornado is going to hit, but you could be prepared. You could have your bag. You could have a plan. You could be ready. Well, see, Jesus assured us in our life. He gave us a very great promise in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said these words. He said, for in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrow. What a great promise. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus, for telling me in this world, you're going to experience troubles and sorrows. Now, could you raise your hand for me if a storm of life has ever happened at a time that's convenient for you? I don't see any hands. See, because the storms of life, they don't come when it's convenient. They come when it's an inopportune moment. They come when you're least expecting it. They come, you get to know that you will experience trouble and sorrow. You just maybe have no idea when it's going to take place. And sometimes those storms, like I said, sometimes they're like hurricanes. You see it off the horizon. You have time to prepare. You have time to do that. And other times you cannot predict when a storm's going to take place. But if we look at John 16, I want to continue with that a little bit because it says, For in this unbelieving world you will experience troubles and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have overcome the world. See, Jesus is talking to his disciples before he leaves them, and he's letting them know that maybe sometimes you'll experience problems. Maybe sometimes you'll experience trials. Maybe sometimes you're going to experience a situation that's a little difficult, but you can take heart and you can have courage because I've already overcome anything that you will ever face. He assured them that he could, they could be courageous because he had already conquered anything and everything that they had, were going to face. And I, and I think if we go to the beginning of that verse, because sometimes you've got to read verses backwards. But at the beginning of that verse, it says this, And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have overcome the world. Jesus told them, you want to know what? I've prepared you. I've taught you. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace that's in me can reside in you, giving you confidence that no matter what you face, just as I overcame it, you can overcome it too. Our confidence comes from peace in Jesus. And we can know that this. So if we look at what peace is, peace means freedom from disturbance, a place of tranquility, mental calm, or serenity. But one thing that peace is not is peace is not the absence of trouble. Sometimes we think, oh, peace means that everything's calm and cool and great, which that's awesome. But peace is not necessarily the absence of trouble. It is the awareness of God's presence in the middle of the trouble. That means that you can walk through a storm and be in the middle. You know, I, I always think about that. I, one of those hurricanes, probably the second one, I, right when the eye came over us, I went outside because I wanted to see what it was like. It was calm and cool, and there was not even a breeze blowing. And within like five minutes, here comes the storm again. But how many of you know right in the middle of that storm was a place of peace? 
a place of calm. The storm was raging all around, but right in the dead center of it is a moment of peace, of understanding the awareness of God's presence. See, it's possible to walk through the greatest storm of life and have a place of peace. It's possible to face the greatest obstacle or the greatest sorrow or the greatest challenge and still have peace. It's possible to face off with trouble and still have peace right in the middle of it. If you look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, it says this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I want to read it to you in the Passion Translation. You know, the Passion Translation has become one of my favorite translations to read because it breaks it down and makes it so simple. It says it like this. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. How many of you know that when a storm comes, when a problem comes, when a situation comes, all of a sudden your mind starts getting pulled in different directions. You start, even when you know what the truth of the word of God says, all these other things come to try to pull you in different ways to pull your focus. So it says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing, but be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Christ Jesus. There is a peace that passes all understanding that is beyond all human understanding that can be with you in the middle of any storm. And there's a story in Mark chapter 4 that we're going to talk about today that is going to show us how in the midst of the greatest storms of life, in the midst of the greatest trials and turbulence, we are able to find a place of peace. So just to set it up for you, Jesus and his disciples were out ministering and they were getting ready. You know, they were ministering to the crowds and Jesus said, let's take the boat and go to the other side. So they got in their boat and they began to go through the night and in verse 36 through 40, it says this after they had sent the crowd away they shoved off from shore with them as he'd been teaching from the boat and there were other boats that sailed with them and suddenly as they were crossing the lake a ferocious tempest arose see this wasn't a storm they could predict it said suddenly a ferocious tempest arose all of a sudden out of the blue came a, a storm that was this it said that it wasn't just a little storm it said with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped this wasn't just that they were on a little boat ride how many of you ever watched the deadliest catch you ever been out in the it's like they were in a little boat they weren't in one of those big boats and the storms coming the waves are coming the boat was getting getting filled up. They were getting ready to sink. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So they shook him awake saying, teacher, don't you even care that we are about to die? I want to pause right there. How many of you have ever been in the midst of a storm and you wondered why Jesus was sleeping? Uh, Jesus, hello. Don't you understand what I'm walking through right now? But it seems like he's just asleep. And you're going, hey, what's going on? What's happening right now? But Jesus was just peacefully resting. They shook him awake and they said, don't you even care that we are about to die? And then it said, fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, hush, calm down. And other translations, he said, peace, be still. 
And all at once, the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm. Then he turned to his disciples and said to them, why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? And through this story, there's three things that we're going to learn today that you can take note of, that you can recognize when we face storms. That through this situation, Jesus taught us that we can rest in the storm, we can speak to the storm, and we can trust through the storm. So first, I want to talk a little bit about that. Rest in the storm. As I said, Jesus wasn't concerned that the winds were violent. He wasn't concerned that the waves were overshadowing the boat. He wasn't concerned that it looked like they were about to sink. Jesus was fast asleep, resting in the stern of the boat, asleep. Everybody else around him is freaking out, and he is sleeping. But I like Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want that one. Well, it says in the Passion Translation that the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Verse 2 says he offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. He takes tracks, his tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. And that's where he restores and revives my life. See, God has an oasis of peace for us that restores and revives our soul, that restores and revives our life. The storms of life come. They're designed to bring confusion, to bring chaos, to bring commotion, to get your focus off of where it should be. But you can go right back to a place in his presence that restores and revives your soul. The peace of God causes you to rest in him. It brings restoration. See, to restore literally means to reinstate and to put back to where it was before the chaos began. God doesn't say he repairs your soul. If something is broken and you repair it, you might have a crack in it. You just put it back together. But to restore something, you know, Miranda restores furniture. I, I love her watching her. She'll take a piece that looks like it's broken and damaged and turn it into something that's better than it was originally, better to a place than it was before. That's what he does with our souls. He doesn't say, I'm just going to crack and put a little tape on them and I'm going to patch up with some staples. He says, no, I'm going to restore you to a place that you were before the chaos began. I'm going to make you better than you were before the storm happened. I'm going to take you to a place and bring restoration to your life. We walk around and we want God to repair us, but we need to start telling him to restore us, which means that he's putting us back together and it, better than it was where no one could tell that it was damaged in the first place. So how do you get to that oasis of peace? Well, there's a verse, if you read the Psalms and you read it often, there's this one little word that pops up all the time. And it's the word Selah. He'll say a phrase and he'll say Selah. And he'll say another phrase and he'll say Selah. What, what Selah means is to pause in his presence. Lord, you are so good, Selah. Pause for a moment in the presence of God. To find a place of peace, we have to often pause in his presence. In Job um, 37, 14, in the Message Bible, how many of you remember the story of Job? If you read Job, I love the book of Job. It's one of my favorite verses. I've, one of my favorite verses in the Bible's college, I taught about the book of Job, and I had to break down it all, and I never understood it. But I thought, oh my God, why? Well, because that, I get all the hard classes. My hubby gets all the fun ones. I preach all the, 
all the difficult ones. No, but um, no, he teaches the hard classes too. But I broke down um, Job and I was reading it. Job is really, if you just at first glance, but if you get into it, you see the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. And every time you, Job went through a lot. He went through loss of his family, loss of his income, loss of his property, loss of everything he had. He had affliction put upon him. He was, he was in his body, probably out of his mind half the time because he was like, can you just kill me yet? But in, in Job, Chapter 37, his friend said, Job, are you, or it says this, it says, Job, are you listening? Have you noticed all this? Stop in your tracks and take in God's miracle wonders. When you pause in, your, in his presence, it gives you a moment to think back to how good he has been in your life. I've been through some things in my life. How about you? But sometimes in the middle of a storm, I'm not thinking back to how he was faithful. I'm just praying for him to be faithful, but really he's been faithful all the while. But when I pause in his presence, I, I said this the other day, I, I, yesterday, in fact, I was sitting there and I was waiting for something. So I sat down at the table. I was waiting for the kitchen timer to go off and I was sitting there and I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw this Southern gospel group that was like doing a Mother's Day tribute. And I just paused for a minute and I put it on and they were singing and all of a sudden they started singing peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father's right hand. And I sat there at my table at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning with the presence of God that came on me and the peace of God filled me to overflowing. And I got tears in my eyes and I said, oh my God, even in this moment when I'm thinking about everything that I have to do when I'm so busy, I took this moment to pause, not even thinking I was pausing in his presence, but that place in his presence brought peace to me that really sustained me for the rest of the day. Sometimes we have to take a moment to pause, to stop, because you've got to think, what has he already brought me through? Maybe, you, you know, I like, I like to have a plan. I like someone to tell me, like, what I, I don't like people to say, you just, I need to know, like, how do I do that? How do I pause in his presence? Okay, think, what has he already brought me through? Where has he brought me from? What has he already done in my life? Because when you look back at the past faithfulness of God, it gives you the assurance that looking forward, he'll continue to be faithful to you. I know there's things in my life that I should be dead right now. But God was faithful to me. I know there were seasons in my life when I was not faithful to him, but he was faithful to me. I know when there's situations and things that happen, but he's been faithful to me. That means that no matter what I walk through, no matter what I am walking through, no matter where I'm going, he's going to continue to be faithful to me. But sometimes in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the overwhelmness, in the middle of the confusion, in the middle of the commotion, you, can't, you don't stop to think, wait, he's been faithful to me then. He's going to be faithful to me now. But he has been. So Jesus teaches us that we can rest in the storm. We can pause in his presence in the midst of what's going on. The second thing we learn is to speak to the storm. Jesus woke up from his nap when the disciples were freaking out. Why are you forsaking us? We're going to die. Aren't you concerned? He was like, no, not really. And he stood up and he said three words. Peace, be still. Or in the passion, hush, calm down. Jesus didn't preach a sermon to the storm. Jesus didn't give a big dissertation. Jesus didn't explain to his disciples what he was getting ready to do. He just simply calmly stood up and said, peace be still. Why? Because he knew the authority within him gave him the ability to speak to the greatest storm and tell it to stop. And it says that the minute he did that, 
What happened? The wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm. Because when you face the storms of life, faith will bring you the confidence that you can have whatever you say. See, all of the things that you learn, we're in a church that teaches faith. I've heard a lot of faith. How about you? We are blessed with a pastor that teaches us about faith and teaches us what we need to know and teaches us what we need to be. You want to know what? But he teaches us about faith. But faith gives you the confidence that I can have whatever I say. How many of you know that? We say that all the time. I believe I receive when I pray. I can have whatsoever I say. But then sometimes a storm comes and you forget that you can have what you say. And you start saying things that are different than what the Word of God says. And that is okay. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But you got to remember that faith gives you the ability to speak to the storm. But what does the storm do? The storm comes in to bring fear. We know, and I'm not going to teach you about faith this morning, but a really quick one. Faith is the opposite of fear. It's like light and dark. Light and dark cannot exist in the same room. If we turn the lights off, it will be dark. If we put one light on, it illuminates and brings light. Light and dark cannot exist in the same space. Neither can faith and fear. So what happens is you can be standing in faith, strong in faith, and then the storm comes to immediately what it does is it tries to bring you to a place of fear that if you'll allow the fear to come in, it will destroy and put you away from your place of faith. So the fear comes in to try to say, okay, it makes you focus on the wrong things. Your awareness of the fear is proof that you've taken your focus off of Jesus. So because there was another storm, and it, that one was found in Matthew chapter 14. And this one, the, I said these disciples are crazy, first of all. These disciples were with Jesus physically all the time. Jesus did miracles. He healed blind eyes. He raised people from the dead. He spoke to storms. He created food for 5,000 people from one piece of bread or however. Now I know five loaves, all that. we got it, all the fishes, right? But he literally fed 5,000 people with what could have fed maybe four or five. Jesus could do anything. And yet when a situation happened, the people that were walking next to him in physical form still were afraid. So give yourself a break for a minute. That maybe just, you know what I mean? Give yourself a break. I I said, those disciples are crazy. Jesus is with them and they're still afraid. So give yourself a break for a minute. If maybe sometimes you let fear come in and go, okay, I'm not going to be like them. And just brush it off. So it says this, the disciples who were now in the middle of the lake ran into trouble for their boat was tossed about by the high winds and the heavy seas. And at about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. And when the disciples saw him walking, On top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, a ghost. And he said, be brave. Don't be afraid. I am here. See, the disciples were facing another storm. Uh, But the thing is this, Jesus was unconcerned again. And Jesus was so unconcerned this time that he was just out taking a walk on the water, in the middle of the waves, swirling around him. He wasn't sleeping this time. He was like, oh, sleeping. I'm I'm done resting. I'm just going to walk around now. Jesus didn't care about the storm. He was walking around, and it says this in verse 28, that Peter shouted and said, Lord, if that's really you, then have me join you on the water. Because Peter knew there's something in that man's mouth, that when he says something, it comes to pass. So Peter's faith in that moment gave him the confidence that if Jesus would just say, Peter could have just got, you know what, Peter could have gotten out on the boat, because if he would have just had the faith to do it in that moment, I believe he could have just got out on the boat and started walking on water. But his faith was in the place of Jesus, say something to me. And so when Jesus said it, his faith gave him confidence that he could do it. And he stepped out in the boat and he began to walk towards water. It says, come on and join me, Jesus said. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk toward Jesus. 
He stepped, how many of us have that happened to? The storm's going on around you. You say, I have faith for this. I'm standing, I'm believing, I got this. And you begin to walk on water. But then what happened? It says, but when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and he started to sink. And he said, save me, Lord. He cried out and Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, what little faith do you have? Why would you let doubt win? I'm highly competitive. If you ever play a board game with me, you will see. As much as I try to be gracious, I want to win. I do not like to play games that I don't win. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not mean or anything. I just like to win. I am a gracious loser if I lose, but I like to win. <laughs> Pipe down over there. Um, no. um, anyway, I don't like to, does anyone really, but let's tell the truth. Does anybody really like to lose? Okay, thank you. Raise your hand if you like to lose, if you think it's awesome to lose. I'm in good company. I don't enjoy it. I like to win. And I read that thing. Jesus said, why would you let doubt win in your life? And I realized as passionate and as adamant as I am about winning in other areas, I need to become that passionate and adamant about not letting doubt win in my life. I mean, I want to win Monopoly, but I'd rather win in my life. I'd rather win in my mind. I'd rather win in all these areas. He said, why do you have so little faith? Why are you going to let doubt win in your life? I'm going to make a t-shirt that says, why let doubt win? Right? So we're going to sit there. Why let doubt win? Peter stepped out on the boat with a word from Jesus, but his confidence was short-lived because the minute he took his focus off Jesus, why? The only reason he did it was because he saw that the waves were so high. But I have news for you. You are walking on water. That is impossible naturally. So who cares about the waves? Because if I'm actually taking some steps on the water, waves don't bother me. But Peter got scared. And the moment he took his faith, all, everything was overridden. But there's something else that's important to note here. Because in verse 32, it says, The very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased. The storm was there as long as Jesus was walking on the water. Sometimes in life, storms come for many different reasons. Sometimes storms come because you're getting ready to go to a new level. Sometimes the storms of life come because you're stepping out in faith. Sometimes you're getting ready to get out of the boat and the storm comes to try to make you get back in. So you got to identify where the storm's coming from and why it's coming. And deal with it all the same way. They want you to go backwards. When you're in the middle of the storm, you cannot allow fear to stop your faith. You have to allow God's peace to help you to remain confident that just like Jesus, you can stand up there and say, hush, calm down, peace, be still. I have the power and authority. Jesus said, I give you all power and all authority. Right before he left, he sat down with his disciples and he said, I give you all power and all authority to overcome every evil work of the enemy. He told them to lay hands on the sick. He told them to cast out devils. He told them to raise the dead. I'm pretty sure you can say peace be still too. So we got to speak to the storm. Tell the storm, no, you got to go away. You got to stop. You can't have, you might be raging around me, but it's calm right where I am. So we're going to rest in the storm. We're going to speak to the storm. And the third thing that Jesus taught us was to trust through the storm. At the end, after the waves had calmed down, after the, 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 it, it, when Jesus spoke to the storm and the sea went still, he turned to his disciples and said, why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? 
See, Jesus knew that his disciples' lack of peace came from a place of lack of trust. Because the peace of God enables you to trust even when everything seems out of control. The peace of God enables you to trust even in the middle of a raging storm. I look at Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, and I'm going to read it to you because I love it again in the Passion Translation. It says, but in the day that I'm afraid, I'll lay all my fears before you and trust in you with my whole heart. And I want to pause there for a minute. He said, in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before me. And I think there's something important to note. When you come from a place where you've learned about faith, like we have, you've learned about the power of your words, like we have, sometimes you're not being honest with God. You're saying all the right things, but that's not what you believe. I would say that maybe in a quick moment, you could sit down before God and say, hey, God, I want to tell you something really, right now. I'm really scared. I'm going to lay all my fears out before you right now. I'm going to let you know that I don't like this. I'm upset. I, I, you could probably even be mad at God for a minute, and he's a big God, and he can handle it. I've had some times I didn't really like God very much. I always loved him, right? Am I the only one? Okay, good. Thank you, because I was going to like, wait, all you people are way holier than me. But there's been times you sit there and you're like, I don't know if I like you very much. Guess what? In the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears out before you. That means I'm going to tell you how I feel, but you don't stop there. But I'm going to trust in you with my whole heart. Hey, God, I, I'm a little bit afraid right now, but guess what? I trust you with my whole heart. I, I'm a little bit, this situation is overwhelming me and overtaking me, but I trust you with my whole heart. Hey, guess what, God? I don't know how to feel right now, but I trust you with my whole heart. I didn't say just stay with the fear. I said, tell him you're afraid, but you trust him. Hey, God, guess what? I want you to know that I'm a mess right now, but I trust you with my whole heart. Hey, God, guess what? I, you know what? I'm afraid. I trust you. And he says, then he says this, because the minute he did that, and David said that, he said, but in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with my whole heart. What harm could a man bring to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart, and I will always triumph as I trust his promises. See, when you get, it's this never-ending circle. When you can find that place of peace, pause in his presence, then that peace brings you to a place of trust. And when you can get to that place of trust, it brings you to a place of peace. Hey, God, I choose to trust you because in the very next breath, he's like, there's nothing that I can't face. Your promises are yes and amen to me. You will, I, I, I'm not gonna see everything that you say. Peace gives you that. Trust destroys fear. It displaces worry and it denies doubt. Peace reminds you that you will always triumph no matter how great the storm is. You can say, no, God, I trust you. In Psalm 13, verse 5, David is crying out to God. And he's, this situation, I love to read the Psalms. I don't know if you like the Psalms, but I love them. Why? Because I can relate to David on any given day. There are some days when you're reading the Psalms where David's like, I'm in the depths of despair and everyone's against me. And I, I, I don't even think I can live today. 
And then there's a psalm that says, but thou, O Lord, art the glory and the lifter of my head. And then there's this thing that you, you can find yourself in everyone. David went through being sad, being ashamed, being afraid, being overwhelmed, being joyful, being resilient, being triumphant. And you can read through the psalms. And in one of these psalms, in Psalm, I think it was 13.5, he's crying out to God for this situation that's facing that seems way bigger than him. But then he says these words, Lord, I have always trusted in your kindness, so answer me. I will yet celebrate with passion and joy when your salvation lifts me up. David was so confident in the salvation of the Lord that he could confidently express how he would respond once God delivered him. He was like, I might be facing something right now. That guy faced a lot. He got anointed king and then like spent 20 years with somebody trying to kill him for something he didn't do. And you know what? He had people against him. He knew what it was like to be pressed and crushed and shaken. But he said, I'll never, I, I will always trust you. I've always been able to trust you. And when you deliver me from this one, I'm going to respond passionately. I'm going to lift my voice and sing because I know that no matter what it looks like, you're going to come through for me. He had that place of trust. Isaiah 26, 3 says, perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust in you. I love that verse because when storms arise in your life, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a tornado, regardless of where it came, how it came, when it came, or any of those things, that peace can bring you strength in the middle of the chaos. There's a verse, Psalm 16, verse 7 and 8 in the New Living Translation that says this. It says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me and I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. See, I, I, we were I, over at the preschool. We have these bottles. Have you ever seen one of those bottles? Like they make them for kids and adults too. I guess it has like glitter and all kinds of stuff in it. And you shake it real good. You shake the bottle real good, right? And when you look, it's everything swirling around and it looks all swirly. But then after a minute, it all calms down and is calm again. I might be shaken for a moment, but I will not be shaken for a lifetime because I know you are with me. I might, actually, let's say this. I'm not going to be shaken. I might be stirred a little bit, but I'm not going to be shaken. James Bond said, shaken, not stirred. I'm going to go with stirred, but not shaken. That's going to be my new motto. I might get stirred a little bit, but I will not be shaken, for I know that you are with me. You know, I was looking up some things, and I saw something that, don't put it up there yet, Angela. I'll tell you in a second. In 2011, there was a major earthquake that hit off the coast of Japan, and it was the most earth-shattering, um, literally, earth-shattering earthquake that had ever, has ever been recorded in Japan. It was the fourth strongest earthquake that's ever been recorded since 1900 when they started recording the strength of earthquakes. And it hit off the coast of Japan. It caused devastation. It caused everything. And there was a tsunami that came through as a result of that hurricane. And, it, and the, the tsunami came through and it destroyed. And it was just, it devastated. Thousands of people were killed. Communities were desolate and destroyed. But I saw this picture. And I want, Angela, if you pop that up there for a second for me. This is a picture that was taken in Iwate, Japan. 
after the, the, after the um, hurricane came through. And as you can see, the rubble and the devastation and the de destruction all around. But somebody put a little bouquet of flowers right there in the middle of it. And when I saw that picture, I was like, that's a perfect picture to me of I will not be shaken. See, everything might be destroyed around me. Everything might be in rubble around me. Everything might look like it's desolate, but there's a spot of hope and beauty and brightness. And I will stand like that flower and not be shaken. And this morning, it's funny because we have a gift for you guys. How can we, we have a little gift for all the moms this morning. We have a little gift of this little vase and it's just got a little flower in it with a thing that says, I will not be shaken. It says, I'm not going to be shaken. And you can put it on your desk. My mom will give it to you. It's going to say, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken no matter what happens. It's the, you can get one on your way out, but I will not be shaken. Look at that. Hey, I'm going to be stirred, but I'm not going to be shaken. Remember that flower. In the midst of death, there's life. Bur bur it's bursting forth because I'm not going to be shaken. So, okay, I'm not going to leave you with, hey, just don't be shaken, guys. I'm going to tell you how, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you something without telling you, hey, this is how. So let's go, you can take that, uh, we'll go on to the next part. So we look at that, how can we not be shaken when storms arise? How can we maintain our peace in the middle of circumstances that are so far greater than us? Well, we're going to go back to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. In the Passion Translation, it says, Do not be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So we're going to just talk about a few simple steps that will help you to find peace in the middle of the storm. First, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. When you recognize worry starting to creep in, remind yourselves again of the goodness of God, of the promises of God. Consume yourself Worry will consume you. If you allow worry, how many of you have ever had worry? Can I see your hand? Thank you for your honesty. Worry will begin to consume you if you let it. Worry will begin, you let it creep in. It's like you give it a little inch and the enemy will take a mile. And pretty soon your mind is racing and moving a hundred different ways. And, it, and you feel chaotic. Worry brings stress. Worry brings chaos. Worry brings confusion. All of those things. He says, do not be pulled in different directions. Why? Because just like Peter, if he didn't keep his focus on me, he couldn't walk in the middle of a storm. So keep your focus singular. Don't be worried about a thing. Well, that's way easier said than done. I know. I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm saying you have to make a choice. It says in the word that a wise man's heart teaches his mouth what to say. You have to teach your mind what to think and your emotions what to feel. So you might have to just get in this word and be like, okay, let me read the Psalms. Nope, I'm skipping that one. I'm not talking about destruction. I'm talking about, but thou, O Lord, art my rock and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Oh, the next Psalm, mm -mm, I don't need to read that one today. I need to read about his goodness. I don't need to read about this. Find the scriptures and find the words and teach your, teach your heart first, the word of God, and then let your heart teach your mouth what to say, your mind what to think, your emotions what to feel, your heart what to answer. Stay in that place. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Then it says this, be saturated in prayer 
throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Does that mean you got to be on your face 24 hours a day? No, it does not. Because how many of you know God can hear you in your car? He can hear you in your seat. He can hear you at your job. He can hear you wherever. He can hear you anywhere. If you, he tells you to go in the prayer closet and you, got, you do what you got to do for you. But just know I could be sitting here right now and in my mind be going, thank you, God. I appreciate that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your peace in the back of my mind while I'm preaching to you. You're in this world. You're not of it. So you could say, you know what, God, I'm praying without ceasing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to let your request. He said, give, make your faith-filled request. Don't ask God for things that you're not. But God, I don't really think you're going to do this. I mean, remember, I did say, yes. God, I'm really scared about this. I don't know if you're going to do this, but I trust you. So I'm going to have faith right now that I don't know how this is going to work, but I know that you can do it. And you offer your faith-filled request to him. And then it says this, with overflowing gratitude, tell him every detail of your life. Do not be afraid to share what you're feeling with your heavenly father. Well, why do I need to do that? He already knows everything about me. Well, I mean, I like, maybe not the opposite, but I like it when my husband tells me what he's, what's going on. Even if I was there with him, I want to know what he's thinking, what he's feeling. Him, I don't know if he wants to know that stuff about me, but I tell him anyway. <laughs> Constantly. Okay, honey, this is how this made me feel. He's like, okay, great. It's magical. Thanks, honey. But you want to know what? God does want to hear those things. Why do you think he told you to ask for things he already knows you need? He didn't say, I already know what you need, so don't worry about it. He said, no, if you need something of me, ask. Doesn't God already know what we need? He does. Why? But he wants to hear the request. Because I think there's something to be said about when you make the request and you see the answer, there's a greater gratitude than if someone just gives it to you. If someone just comes up and gives me something, of course I'm going to be grateful. I'll never forget this. This seems kind of frivolous, but there was something along many years ago that my family wanted to do, and it required a certain amount of money. And we sat down with my kids, and they were small, and we said, guys, we're going to believe God for this certain amount of money. God already knew what we needed. But you want to know what? We told the kids, we said, so let's pray and believe together. The Bible says we believe or receive when we pray. And we're going to pray together for this thing. It was something extra, which God is concerned about your extras, just as he is about your necessities. And we prayed, and we sat there in the living room. We prayed for this certain amount of money. And not even a week later, someone walked up to me with an envelope with that amount of money, and it said, God told me to give this to you for your family. Do you want to know what that meant for my kids? That what they requested, they saw God do. Sometimes for us, it's a remembrance. Hey, you want to know what? I believe they would have given that to us, whether we did it or not. But we would have missed out on the blessing of the answered prayer. There's a blessing in answered prayer, and it reinforces his faithfulness in that answered prayer. So you look at that, and you go, you want to know what? God can do those things in your life. He wants you to ask. There's a lot of joy that comes from it. Okay, God, you know, so we look at that. So ask, and, and then this, but it says with overflowing gratitude. Don't forget that part. Um, tell him, with overflowing gratitude, are you telling him every detail of your life with just the misery side, or are you being grateful in what you're saying? God, I'm so grateful to you that you've given me this and you've done this for me before. I'm so grateful for this, but here is where I'm struggling now. We gotta be, I tell my kids this all the time. When you, you need to have gratitude. You need to be grateful for things in your life. Why? Because it changes your whole mindset when you're grateful that, wow, I didn't even deserve to sit at this table, so I'm not gonna complain about the food that's there right? You sit there and you got to be grateful. Why? 
guys, God has been so good to us. God has been great to us. God has helped us come through. You say, well, maybe you don't feel like that right now. I can guarantee you if you are sitting in this room today that he's been good to you. Because there's some people who didn't wake up this morning. Do you know what I mean? And you look at that and you go, God has been good. Because even in the midst of pain, he's been there to be our peace. Even in the midst of lack, he's been there to be our provision. Even when it looks like he's sleeping in the boat, he's still there to bring the solution. So we need to be grateful. And it says this, so keep your heart filled with gratitude. And then God's wonderful peace. See, like I said, I like to read verses backwards sometimes because it kind of tells you you can read where you're going to end up and see the steps to get there. He doesn't just say, the verse doesn't just say the peace of God will dwell in your hearts and your mind. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried. Be saturated in prayer with faith-filled requests. With overflowing gratitude, tell him every detail of your life. And then, bolded, highlighted, everything. Then, God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Then, at that moment, not in the moments when worry is running rampant in your mind, not in the moments when you're gripped by fear, But when you allow yourself to rest in his presence, when you speak his promises out of your mouth and you trust his faithfulness, then his amazing peace will take you to a place of rest, a place of faith, and a place of trust, no matter how great the storm may be. And then you're able to say with confidence, as it says in Psalm 16, 8, that I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. I want to take a moment this morning because maybe you're facing a storm. Maybe you're facing a situation or a circumstance that seems greater than you. Maybe you're not, but you can remember this next time you are. First and foremost, could everyone just bow your heads and close your eyes? Because one, you might be in this room today and you, maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've never made him the Lord of your life. And that's the first step to receiving his peace. And I know more than anything else that his greatest desire is to have you serve him and have you make him the Lord of your life. So maybe you've never prayed that prayer. Maybe you say, I don't know if I've ever asked Jesus into my life, but I'd like to. Today is your day. Not only to assure salvation and eternity with him, but to enable you to really walk in his fullness and peace. So if that's you and you say, I've never asked Jesus into my life, but I want to, with all, everyone's, no one's looking around. Would you just raise your hand in this place and say, that's me today? Maybe you're watching online and maybe you say, that's me today. I want everyone to repeat after me. Let's just say this together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I ask you right now to come into my life. I ask you right now to forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and be my Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And just keep your, your eyes closed because it'll make it easier. Maybe right now where you're at, I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but I do want to pray for you this morning because maybe you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe it's been chaotic and confusing and just so much. But I believe right now that we can pray. I believe that there's power in my words this morning to say, peace be still in your life. 
And if that's you and you say, I just want you to pray for me, would you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking around, just me. Just lift your hand up and say, that's me. I want you just to pray for me. You can stay there at your seat. Say, that's me. Thank you. I just want to pray for you right now. God, I thank you right now that you hear me when I pray. And we know that if you hear me, God, I know that you'll grant me the petition that I ask. So God, I thank you for every single life that is here today, whether they're seated in the seats, whether they're watching online, God, you know what they're walking through. You know, and right now in the middle of their storm, I speak peace, be still. Peace to their mind, peace to their heart, peace to their thoughts, peace to their emotions, peace to their feelings right now. That no matter how high the waves and how strong the wind, your peace that passes all understanding dwells in their hearts. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, welcome home.